I may have uh, told some of you before, but uh, in June 98, a couple of years before uh, I started training for the ministry, uh, I went on a business trip to America. And I was staying in the, the desert city of Albuquerque. And uh, it's built uh, on a plain where um, the old uh, Route 66, now Interstate 40, um, crosses over the Rio Grande. So two famous places of transport, means of transport, come together. And the, the river fall, uh, sort of forms the, the western boundary of the city. And the eastern boundary of the city is a, is a mountain ridge. And it goes pretty vertical um, from the, the plateau up at uh, Sandia Mountains, uh, where it's a bit s smoother slopey on the other side. But the height of the mountains is a little uh, deceptive, as I was about to discover. On a Saturday morning, I had the, the, the day to myself, uh, I got up and uh, having had a, a nice big buffet breakfast in the hotel, you know, it's all on there for you, so you might as well eat it, I, uh, I went out to explore. And uh, as I went up the mountain, my breathing got a little heavier. And that surprised me because I wasn't carrying a heavy rucksack. I was driving a hire car. You know, so there wasn't much exertion going on. I was just sat there. But, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe it's that breakfast that I've had. Already. And I arrived at the car park at the, the top of the mountain. It's very nice of them, uh, being in America, to actually bother building the road all the way up to the top. And uh, I got out, uh, and there was fabulous views, amazing views. Um, you could see the, the grid pattern of the city, and then beyond that, a, a ribbon of green with the river in the middle. And then beyond that further and to the north and to the south, the, the orangey colour of the desert. And the sun shone and it was clear blue sky. It was June, but it was cold. Much colder than I had expected. And as I went for a little wander round about, there's patches of white snow, pristine white snow in amongst the trees. And I put my foot in it and it went crunch, you know, just like it should, you know, it goes crunch. Only you don't expect to do that in June and you don't expect that to do that in New Mexico. Maybe. And it meant it was a bit chillier than I'd expected. You know, and uh, it was only later that I realised that uh, the city on the valley floor 
was already 900 foot higher above sea level than the top of Ben Nevis. And so when I went up the mountain, instead of just being about the height of Ben Nevis that had driven up, it was that height again. And I was actually at just over 10,000 foot. It just didn't appear that high. Sometimes things are not quite how we imagine them to be. We expect one thing. We have our comfort there. And then we experience something new. Well, after a pleasant frosty half hour, a bit shorter than I'd planned, maybe I was back in the car and I put the heater on full to defrost. Not simply it, but me. And I drove back down the hill, down the windy road. And then I had to turn it back from fully on red to fully on blue. Because, of course, I was in a hot June day in New Mexico as I got back into the city. When we go to the top of a mountain, we can have an amazing experience. Things are different up there. The the air is a bit thinner and maybe a bit clearer, a bit fresher. The temperature is a touch colder. The wind maybe a bit stronger. The view is not just a bit further, but can be mile upon mile upon mile. Does a simple visit to the mountain top change us? Oh, the fact that I'm telling you this story, and I might already have told it to you before, and I might tell it again, that I'm telling this story 20 years on from the event itself, or at least it will be another six or seven weeks' time, suggests that it did leave an impression on me. Nothing dramatic really happened. I didn't come to some life-changing decision. I didn't have a life-changing accident. But simply being there did have some impact. And I would imagine for those that have stood here and said about spring harvest, going to that mountaintop, although it's at sea level, will have had some impact, whether they made a decision or didn't make a decision. Whatever led them uh, to question or to consider, it will have moved them. And it will have moved them forwards. Jesus was in the habit of going to mountains. We see that particularly in Matthew's Gospel. It's a place that he heads, sometimes for solitude and prayer, a place to come close to his Heavenly Father, maybe to seek guidance on the way ahead. 
But our passage today is a bit different. Because in this encounter on the mountaintop, it's not Jesus meeting directly with the Heavenly Father. That's not what we're considering. It is the disciples meeting with Jesus. It's the disciples coming to Jesus who has gathered them together to impart the Great Commission, to give them the change that will move them forward, to give them the instruction of who they are to be. A mountain location is something that the Jewish readers of Matthew would have spotted as being not simply something that Jesus had done, but something that happens in the Old Testament too. The mountain is the place where God meets the, with the one that he has chosen. The account of Exodus gives us a number of mountain encounters. Moses drawn to the fiery bush. And he will know that he has led the people out when he leads them back to the mountain. This is how you will know that it's true, the voice of the Lord says, from that bush that is not burned up, not consumed. Because you will bring them here. You will return. And on that mountain, the Ten Commandments are received. And then later from another hilltop, Moses is taken and is shown the land that the people will enter even though he will not. The mountain is a place of encounter and a place of looking forward. Likewise, Abraham had been at the top of Mount Moriah with Isaac, the young Isaac ready to sacrifice him when the Lord sent a ram. And so a fresh understanding there at the beginning of the story of God's people comes of how there will be many descendants, how there will be a nation, and how God is there blessing people and leading them forward. And when Elijah in fear flees, he goes to the mountain. And it is on a mountain that he rediscovers God. Not in the earthquake or the wind or the fire, but in the still small voice that is spoken to him. David builds an altar. On the threshing room floor. On the mountain. And then Solomon builds a temple on that same hilltop. It is a place that can be seen from a distance. And a place that a distance can be seen. A journey ahead. 
as the disciples gathered, we are told that they worshipped, but some doubted, even in that presence, even in that place. Having doubts was nothing new. Whenever Jesus had spoken of the way ahead of approaching death, the disciples had doubted or failed to listen. Perhaps being like Peter and saying not to say such things. Prophets in the Old Testament doubted in what God was saying, particularly at the time of their call. Isaiah says, I am a man of unclean lips. Jeremiah says, I am too young. And of course, we all know that Jonah tried to run away. This is the time of their calling. They've already been called. They already know the Lord. They've spent time with the Lord. But at the mountaintop, at the Great Commission, it's a calling to a new way ahead, a new ministry, a new life. Some of the disciples are unsure of what they are doing. Others perhaps are confident. Hopefully they will encourage the others. But this doubting is before Jesus starts to speak to them. It says Jesus came to them. He came to them in this time of doubting. And the only other time Matthew's using that, that verb about Jesus coming to the disciples, it's at the transfiguration. Again, an experience up a mountain. And his reaction at that time when he came was to remove the feeling of uncertainty. And that's what he's doing here again. He comes and he removes uncertainty and gives them a path ahead. The other connection with that time is in the words that had come from above. At the transfiguration, a voice had spoken saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. It is the passing on, the giving to the Son, the instruction that he will go and be an example of the Father. And that the world has to take the Father's authority in what the Son says. Now, Jesus speaks out that. All authority on heaven and earth. That's what the Father had intended at the Transfiguration. All authority on heaven and earth. He had the full authority of the Father. Not a little authority, not authority over some things and not other things, not the power over the earth that the evil one had offered. At the time of temptation in the wilderness. But 
Jesus is identifying himself as the true king of kings with full authority on the earth and also full authority in heaven. And it's a direct statement and it needed to be said to to make the disciples listen, to make them wake up. He is the father's son. And now he calls them to do what they must do. Now, when someone in authority speaks, the best thing to do is listen and obey. You know, if a policeman steps out into the road and sticks his hand up, Hopefully you understand his authority and you will stop. But Jesus isn't telling us to stop. He is saying, go. Go and make disciples of all nations. It's not a command to stay put. It's not one about gathering people to where you are, but introduces active movement that heads outwards from the mountaintop experience. The disciples that choose to follow Jesus, that have become disciples from what other disciples have shared with them, are to be baptised and taught all that the eleven have learned from Jesus. It's a set of instructions that are not limited in any way. It's not limiting where the disciples are to go. They have to go. They're not limited to Jew or Gentile, to male or female, to these people, but not those people. No, that's not it. They are to go to all nations, people of every background, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Obeying the need to love God, to have love for one another, to love our neighbor, and so much more. Including the command that has just been given to go so that that message spreads each new generation of disciples has that message given to them to go and to share it wider to go to all nations to spread it and make new disciples we might not head up a mountain much these days We might feel mountaintop experiences are rare in your life. But actually, each week as we gather here, we have to think about how Jesus comes close to you. How he might comfort your doubts 
and your fears and give you a commission to be his people in the world. Marion raised the, the issue of do we expect to encounter Jesus as we meet together? If we're not expecting to come before God and receive something of God, then why are we here? This is to be a place of encounter, a place that is maybe not at the top of a mountain. But the purpose of being here as a gathered church is to have that sense that God is in this place and encourages us to go out. But not going out in our own strength but accompanied by the Lord. The Lord who gives us his Holy Spirit to equip and strengthen and guide and give wisdom. But do we actually go? On the New Mexico mountaintop, I left a footprint in the snow but coming down from a hill and where our feet then tread is the important thing. We have the experience of the mountain. But we must tell of it as we go. So let's journey. Let's go. And let us live out the great commission that the Lord has put upon us. Amen.